Welcome, you're listening to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. On today's episode, we're going flying with aviation expert, Kerwin McKenzie, who will give us some great airline tips. I don't, I don't have the anxiety, like, I mean, am I gonna get a middle seat? Because typically you, they will give you a middle seat and the airlines are crafty, kind of mean actually. <laughs> they will give you a middle seat just because you bought the cheap, the cheap ticket. When there's nobody sitting at the island, there's nobody sitting at the window. If you look at the seat map, it's very funky. And if you board, you'll see these people just sitting in the middle by themselves. And the two seats next to them is empty. And so on some trips they get full and on others they don't. And it's like, really? You just heard Kerwin McKenzie share one of the quirky airline company policies that we've never heard about until now. In this episode, Kerwin will use his many years in the airline industry to help us plan better for our airline journeys. For nearly 15 years, Kerwin has worked for four U.S.-based airlines in different capacities. He has flown on over 180 airlines and has visited 137 countries to date. Like me, Kerwin's love for aviation led him to work for the airline industry. I worked for Northwest Airlines back in the day. However, our introduction to aviation started very differently. Kerwin's introduction started when he was nine, and he accepted an invitation from a stranger to hop on his small plane. So, I was nine years old, and I'm sneaking my face through the fence at a local airport. And this guy came up to me, and he goes, "Um, would you like to go on a flight? And I'm like, yes. Because um, the airport was not too far from where we lived. And um, so I walked all the way to the end of the runway and around the fence. This was way back in the, what was that? I was nine, so it was in the early 70s. So, you know, airport security wasn't really a thing. So this is where we have to pause and caution anyone of any age who is listening. Please do not get into any vehicle with a stranger. I used to hang out at the airport. The airport wasn't far, so I would just walk down to the airport and hang out there. And, you know, it's the 70s, you know, you trust everyone, small community in Jamaica. Um, and so I, I walked around and jumped in the plane with this guy, and we took off, and, <laughs> and we went someplace in Jamaica, I think it's called Bosco Bell, which is um, in the country part of Jamaica. And we, um, he flew over this runway, Rock the wings, and then a guy runs out of the bushes and he comes around and he comes in really low and he pushes something out of the window. <laughs> and then he rocks the wings again and rocking the wings just being going left to right with the wings. And then he takes out and then he didn't land and then he just flies off. The guy, I looked in the back, I looked behind me, I see the guy pick up whatever the package was and runs back into the bushes. And that was the whole thing that sparked oh my god this flying thing is very very cool i had no idea what that was for all i know it was some kind of nefarious activity wow (laughs) (laughs) how did your parents receive this uh i don't think i ever told them until like years and years years. (laughs) fast forward many years i I always wanted to be a pilot all along the flight but just couldn't afford it and so um I started working for uh, an airline. Actually, I went to uh, aviation school in Daytona Beach. I did a master's in aeronautical science. So that lets me understand how airlines work. 
and uh, all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, so then I, out of college, I got a job with Delta. At the time, they didn't have, uh, there was no job. This was in the early 90s when airline aviation jobs were just like non-existent pretty much. Um, and so, guy with a master's degree comes out of college, a fine aviation school, but there's nothing in the industry except working on the ramp. So I went to work on the ramp in Washington, D.C., at DCA. And this is long before it is what it is now. It was just like a hangar at the end of the runway. Um, and uh, so I did that, worked on the ramp, worked at the ticket counter, went to American Transier, which no longer exists. Um, but the club ambassador still does. Uh, and that's one of the things that, you know, if, if you ever go into business, um, it's why Costco is so successful because they have membership. And so the business went out, but the membership was still there. Mm. And um, so I did ATA, the revenue management. Then I went to Continental in Houston and worked in uh, marketing. And this was in the heyday of the websites in the 96, 96. Um, and this is when only Alaska Airlines, you could book online, tickets online. And it was just in the heyday. Everything was, e-tickets was a thing. Um, and this was at really exciting times of aviation. And I basically stayed there till about 2011 with, um, when they merged with United. And then I left and kind of started my own business, which is a uh, passrider.com for airline employees, which is just basically giving airline aviation information and just um, airline schedule is a primary thing that airline employees use. Tell us about uh, uh, Pass Rider. Uh, this, is, this is your website, your blog, your travel portal to serve what is uh, commonly known as in the industry non-rev travelers for the most part. Tell us about yes. the inspiration behind PassRider.com. Sure. So, um at my job, um, people used to come up to me and always ask me aviation questions because I'm the guy who was always traveling. When I started at ATA, um, the, my fellow coworkers, they didn't go anywhere. And then one day I go, let's go to Las Vegas because we had a, a, a red-eye flight that would um, it left late at night to get to Las Vegas. And then um, I think it actually came back like a 6 a.m. departure. And so I said, well, let's go spend the night in Las Vegas. And they're like, what? How do you do that? I said, Las Vegas is open the entire night. Why don't we just do it? And so we did. And they had so much good times. So we kept doing, you know, uh, crazy trips like that. You know, like flying to Hawaii and just doing a day trip to Hawaii, um, which is very doable. <laughs> and then when I came to Continental, I kind of did the same thing. So we have like, the thing about uh, alien employees is um, flights is what we get. And so hotels are still expensive. So what we did that we would, we would share hotels, um, you know, to end up sharing the cost. So um, I used to give advice all the time. And there's this line, there's like a line of people coming to my cubicle. My boss thought I never did any work. But what I would end up doing is I would do most of my work at night. And then so in the daytime, I didn't have much to do because I did everything already. And uh, a lot of things that were, I love aviation. So things that are more complex for others is just very easy for me. I love helping people. And uh, that's what I started Passwriter. And the primary thing of Passwriter is that folks come to it for um, uh, airline schedules. So as airline employees, we don't care about the price of the trip because um, depending on the agreement you have with the airline, you pay little or nothing. 
to get on to get on the flight. But we want to know how many how many flights are going between, say, you know, DC and Los Angeles, for example, and uh, what times they're going, and and how booked that they are. And so uh, I I don't provide booking information. Or, I mean, uh, it's called availability. Um, we, I don't provide that, but I do provide the schedule. So you can tell, oh, there are five flights and these are the times that they go. The other group that use it are pilots um, and pilots and flight attendants. They do, uh, they, a lot of, because the airline industry started, um, I guess, different airlines are in different places and there's lots of mergers. So you find that people live in Hawaii and they work out, they're based in Washington, D.C. because they don't want to move from Hawaii. And, you know, there's a guy that I knew that he lived in Paris, but his base was Newark. So he would non-rev from Paris to Newark to fly back to Paris because that's his schedule. And um, so people do a lot of things like that. And you find they need to know, how do I get from my home base to where my work base is? And so they need to use the website to do that. Given everything that's happened in the industry, is the travel benefit for employees uh, still valuable? Is it, it? It's certainly not what it used to be, and every airline has its own little quirks and variations. But how is how is the non-rev travel environment now? We've got planes that are much fuller than perhaps they used to be back in the day. So it's 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 a bit of a challenge to fly yeah, yeah. non-rev in certain markets. It, it definitely is. What I used to do, and, and it's it's so it's so changed so much. You could literally fly to you want to go New York to Los Angeles. You would fly to Canada, and then you take your Canada from Toronto to LA because the the flights, the New York to LA flights are full, and you're never going to get on. But if you go to Toronto, you can. Now, immigration doesn't like that in Canada. So and they're like, well, why are you connecting to our country? So you have to be careful when you connect to another country. I've done LA to Mexico City to Houston before. Um, but it's a little bit more strict, especially with COVID. You, know, you have to figure out, well, what's the travel restriction for the country you're connecting through? You're listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that illuminates our common humanity and uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Support World Footprints by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This will help other like-minded and interested travelers find us. Also, please join the World Footprints community by subscribing to our newsletter from worldfootprints.com. Flying might not be all plain sailing, but the fun of it is worth the price. Amelia Earhart. Here's more of our conversation with aviation expert, Kerwin McKenzie. We've established Pass Rider as a, um, a vehicle for people in the airline industry, but you've flown over 180 different airlines, so you know a lot about travel, right? Um, <laughs> yes. How <laughs> to book tickets. And so from a consumer standpoint, um, what are some of the, the, the common uh, mistakes that you see travelers making when they're booking their airline tickets? I mean, what <laughs> types of tips do you have for them? So um, the, the first thing that I see people do um, 
wrong is a strong word, but wrong is also the correct word, is they buy the cheapest ticket. And so, um, so the, the airlines will give you, like I, I was just buying some fares recently, and um, it was $307 for the, it's an international ticket, for a one-way international ticket, which is really expensive. So it's $307 for what they call basic economy, which is the quote-unquote no frills. You basically get your butt on the plane, you get to board last, you don't get miles, depends on which airline you're flying on, and you can't check a bag, or you can't carry on a bag, you have to pay for it. It's, you know, it varies for different airlines. But the, the option that allowed me to um, get my miles, which is really important, and also to pick my own seat, which for me is important, for others it may not be, was $337. So the difference is $30. And also I get to board in my, in my category. I don't have to wait until last. And I, I can still carry on, even with the basic economy fare and the regular fare. But I don't, I don't have the anxiety. I'm like, I mean, am I going to get a middle seat? Because typically you, they will give you a middle seat. And the airlines are crafty, kind of mean, actually. <laughs> they will give you a middle seat just because you bought the cheap, the cheap ticket. When there's nobody sitting at the aisle and there's nobody sitting at the window. If you look at the seat map, it's very funky. And if you board, you'll see these people just sitting in the middle by themselves. And the two seats next to them is empty. And so on some trips, they get full. And on others, they don't. And it's like, really? So for me, you don't buy the cheapest fare is the first thing. Make sure you check what you're buying. A lot of people don't check what they're buying. So they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy this ticket. And it has so many restrictions, which by the way, when you, when you hear people go, I didn't know, it's not true. They do know because the airlines, and, and I say this because this was one of my functions when I was in the industry is, uh, and I'm the customer guy, right? So when you come and you cry, oh, the airline did this, you did this, you lost my bag. I'm like, okay, Tanya. And okay, Ian, what would you like us to do? And that normally throws people for a loop. They're like, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, we, we disservice you. What would you like? And then people start thinking. And all of a sudden, you know, they wanted this, but then they come down to this because they realize, oh, I was being unreasonable. And I want to, you want to help them. So um, it, it's, it's very important that you read all the rules for the ticket that you bought. So if it says um, you can't pick a seat, and you have a family of four and you want to sit together, then don't buy that fare. Now I get it, it's gonna be a little expensive because you have more people you're traveling with, but that's not the airline's fault, that is your fault. Well, fault is a bad word, but that's your situation, right? Because your family is different. And so if you have four people you're traveling with, like you wouldn't go to a hotel room and buy a room that can only sleep two people if there's four people in your family although some people do sneak people in <laughs> which, you shouldn't, which you shouldn't really do but it's know what your situation is if you're taller you cannot fit in a regular seat and the airlines are not going to change the size of the seat just for you they're going to tell you well sir you could buy an exit row seat or you could buy business class or you could buy main cabin extra if you're flying on i think that's uh american so read what the airlines have and just pay for it i mean remember too that the person that you're arguing with has a family they didn't set the rules their job is just to tell you 
that, sir, that bag will not fit in the overhead because it doesn't fit in the sizer. So why are you yelling at that person? They're just doing whatever their job is. It's like me walking into your workplace and yelling at you because I don't like what your company's policies are. But people just don't think like that. As soon as they walk into the airport, they check their brains and, and, and then they start freaking out if something happens. Um, the other thing too is that download the airline app because that is a tool that will give you all the information that you, that you need. Um, you can you can get your your seat assignments. You can you can get on there. Oh, and also join the airline frequent flyer program. No matter how little or how often you fly the airline, always join the program. Because what happens is you get awards. Um, even even Southwest has their own rewards program. And the more you fly, the more you accumulate. One of the things is that if you want to go international, don't fly an airline that doesn't have international segments or it doesn't fly to where you want to go internationally. So for example, Southwest is an amazing airline, but they don't fly to Europe. And so if you want to fly to Europe, you need to fly an airline. And I, I guess, you, I think your audience is mostly Americans, um, but it, it doesn't matter whatever country you're in, make sure you fly an airline that, and I say this because if you join their frequent flyer program and you accumulate points, then when you want to go international, which is more expensive, you can use the points for that. But if all you're flying is Southwest and Southwest doesn't have any other relationship with an airline that flies internationally, then you're wasting your time. Alaska doesn't fly to Europe, but Alaska has relationships with American who does fly to Europe, with British Airways who does fly to Europe because they're part of an alliance called One World. So <laughs> in terms of... Um, travel advice you've you've been traveling during covid you've traveled internationally um and some people might still be dealing with uh uh you know a fear of traveling right now what would you what would you tell those individuals perhaps about just your experience in terms of where you've gone in terms of what's happening on uh board uh and so forth sure um it's it's a hassle uh, I'm not going to lie, but they, a lot of these countries and airlines, they've, they've painstakingly figured out some rules. I know you may not like them, but it is what it is. And it's put into place so at least you can get back to some sort of, some, some semblance of normalcy. So um, some airlines uh, are now lifting the mask mandate. And I got to tell you, I flew 14 and a half hours from Houston to Doha. I wore a mask from, I think I wore a mask for about 26 hours mm. because from the time I set my foot in the airport was like three hours before departure to the time I got to Dubai, which was like 20, so door to door was 24 hours, you know, and, um, you typical in, in Dubai, you, ha, you have to wear your mask indoors and outdoors. So the only time I could take my mask off was when I was eating uh, or when I got to my hotel room. So it's not fun. But what you do is there, there are things you can do to mitigate it, right? So if you have to wear a mask, get something that doesn't go around your ears because it really hurts, at least for me anyway. I have a big head. So um, if you have a smaller head or a smaller face, it's easier. But it hurts your ears after a while. Um, and so what you do, you get one of, those, one of those masks that goes around the back of your neck, 
and around your head uh, because it doesn't it doesn't go over your ears and it doesn't squeeze your ears. Um, sometimes, uh, for some reason, when when you put some of the mask on, it 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 tickles your nose. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. So test it. Get something that you're comfortable with wearing because you know you're going to have to be wearing wearing them for a little while. Um, I bring sanitizer with me. I have a little sanitizer in my pocket, and I bring I bring wet wipes and I wipe everything down because the airlines, for some reason, they've stopped cleaning the planes properly. I've been in several flights um, where my the window was dirty, and as an airline geek, I want the window to be clean. <laughs> Um, when you go and you see like a smear that somebody's head was there, uh, one airline left me a nice little glass from the previous passenger. <laughs> I was like, well, I think I'd prefer a fresh glass <laughs> this time around. With all the traveling Kerwin has been doing, we wanted to know which airline or airlines met his health and cleanliness standards. The thing with the airline, they all say, yes, we have hygiene protocols, right? Because, you know, it's marketing. And, and if, if one says you don't, then you're going to probably gravitate towards that one. But um, I've flown on KLM and KLM gives you a little packet because the, the trips I've done, I've, I've done uh, Dubai twice, once over Amsterdam and the other side at other times over Doha. Um, they give you a little packet and inside the packet you have, uh, you have wipes and you have the face mask. And um, there's something else that's in there. It might be, it might be more wipes. I think that's in there. Um, Qatar does something very similar. Um, I haven't flown any non non international, uh, any U.S. airlines internationally. No, it's all it's all been uh, international airlines. But um, so I would say that Qatar and Air France and Kilim are the ones that I flew and they were very good. They come on and one thing I learned from the thing they didn't really think about, they're like, you should change your mask every four hours that you're that you're using them. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't really think about that. And so now when I fly, I count how long I'm, I'm gonna be doing stuff. I divide it by four and that's how many masks I have for that trip. And you know, it's it's another stack of stuff that you have to bring. But then you realize that it's a part of travel now, right? And I jump online to Amazon and I find the mask that fits around my head and I'm good with that. So I think those are the airlines. The U.S. airlines, I've flown American and Delta. I haven't flown United much. Um, but they used to give you a little packet of wipes. Mm -hmm. They're not giving you that anymore. And um, so your own stuff, when you sit down in your seat, just wipe down your seat. It's okay if people are looking at you, because you know what's funny? I, I did a flight recently, and I sat down, and I wiped my seat off, and I was there sitting comfortable. And the lady next to me, she finally pops out her stuff and starts wiping stuff down. So she had her stuff, but she thought that I was going to be weird about it. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm wiping my stuff down as soon as I sit down. Now, I sat in the wrong seat, which I occasionally do. <laughs> I was one row behind and I sat because I board first because I have status in a few of the airlines and I board first and I sit down and I wipe my seat and I'm ready. And then I hear somebody saying, what, what, what seat do you have? And I'm like, no, no, don't tell me I sat in the wrong row. And I did. I was one row behind. So I had to go clean the other row. 
So less and bring lots of masks and bring lots of wipes. Uh, yes, because and, and you know, and they, they're thinking some airlines have lifted the mask mandate and things like that. But you know what? Whenever I fly, I get a little tickle in my throat when I get off, even before all this COVID stuff. And there's a guy behind me was coughing forever on my two and a half hour flight Houston to Miami. And um, and he was obviously sick. I don't know if he had COVID. I don't think he had COVID. He would just had a cough. And so people are still traveling when they're not well. And um, just, you know, it, it, it's up to you. You decide how you want to protect yourself. And if, uh, if you see people wearing gloves and people wearing masks, you know, don't really kill them because you don't know their family situation and you don't know what's wrong with that person. So, um, you know, just, just, just be respectful. I know that you have a goal to travel to every single island in the Caribbean and maybe even West Indies. Uh, but beyond that, or maybe even including that, is there a, a country that really resonates with you that really speaks to your your soul i, I call it your soul country <laughs> other than jamaica uh, where you're from right um you know my my favorite place to go is the south of france in Cannes. i haven't been there in ages but the place i visit the most and i just i'm drawn to it is london um and for some reason it's um, being from Jamaica, Jamaica, you know, was a, a former colony of the UK. And I don't know if that's why I'm drawn to London, but even like some places in the countryside is just like, is just like Jamaica. Um, they have a pasty, which is, um, it's, a, it's like a Jamaican patty, which actually I think the Jamaican patty came from pasties, which came from the Cornwall, I think it is, or someplace there, which I haven't been yet. But um, I would say the UK is, is a place, London is a place that I go. At this point in our show, we generally ask our guests who they would love to sit next to on a plane, past or present. But Curran told us about someone he would like to sit next to again. I find you say that because I have sat to some really interesting people. Um, I sat next to Michael Palin. And if you guys are a fan of um, what's that show? Now? I, the show just went out of my head. Um, <laughs> but... He is the oh, Monty Python. So he's one of the guys in Monty Python. And uh, it was very entertaining sitting next to him. Because one of the things that made you see that, you know, movie stars are really people. Um, this was just after 9-11. And they took all the, all, anything that had a point was taken off the airplane. Including, um, uh, what do you call those things to get things out of your teeth? <laughs> Toothpicks. <laughs> And he wanted a toothpick because he got something stuck in his tooth. <laughs> and there was nothing. And the flight attendant came around and she goes, you know, I think I still have one in my bag. And she brought one, she had one, and she gave it to him. And he was the happiest person ever because mm -hmm. he could get that little thing out of his teeth. So he's probably the most fun person I've flown with uh, on an airplane. I've met a ton of imp imp important people in my flights. Fun. Wow, babe, Kerwin was really fun to talk to, and he really dropped some gems in the advice and insights he shared. Now, you come from the airline industry. Was there anything that surprised you? Not necessarily, but I thought the one piece of advice that I think we can both relate to was this 
Be cautious when buying tickets on low-cost or ultra-low-cost carriers because it may not be everything that uh, it's cracked up to be, particularly with all of the add-on fees, right. baggage fees, and so forth. And so it can throw you for a loop. You see that the cheap fine fare. print. Absolutely. You see mm-hmm. the cheap fare online and you rush to buy it, but then... Just as you said, dear, the fine print. And that's where it may not be competitive with mainline carriers. So keep a watchful eye out for the true cost of your ticket. Well, we've seen that in our own travels with uh, certain airlines and, you know, how much the add-ons, you know, luggage, uh, yada, yada, yada. I mean, whatever. Uh, they're finding a Onboard lot of... amenities. Yeah. Water, everything. coffee, tea. The air. <laughs> There's all, always a cost. Um, I, I thought it was important to mention to our audience that uh, Kerwin's site, PassRider.com, uh, while designed for people in the airline industry, there's some opportunities and, and, and helpful tips for consumers like you and I as well. In closing, let's reflect on the words of Henry Ford. When everything seems to be going against you, remember the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're so happy that you're here. You know, we put so much effort into bringing you value, so please support us with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you leave a review, we'll make sure to read it in the end credits in our next podcast. We'd love for you to join our community, so please subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter from our website at worldfootprints.com. Our newsletter is full of travel news, tips, and resources, including our favorite links. That's like sunshine in your mailbox every two weeks. Thank you so much for your support and for giving us the space to share the world through the stories we offer on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.